0: Good to be with you guys this morning. I come all the way from Pickerington, Ohio. We are having a lot of fun in Pickerington, so... um Pastor Jim, as I said in opening up, Pastor Jim and Mary, they're, they're either, I probably should have got a confirmation, they're, they're in California, okay, I knew they were either in Pennsylvania or California, so it uh, sounds like they're in California, so uh, why don't we just pray for them right now as they um, are probably ministering somewhere. Uh, it's three-hour time difference, so it's uh, 7 a.m. right now for them. So we're just going to pray for them. Father, we just thank you for Pastor Jim and Mary. We thank you for their leadership. We thank you for who they are, Where they're anointing to break the yoke. And so we just declare that and speak that over wherever they're ministering, God, that you would use them mightily as you do on a regular basis. And we just pray for uh, healings and miracles and signs and wonders to break out uh, wherever they're at, God. We pray for financial provision and blessing. Blessing and increase. We pray, God, that you would uh, open doors of influence, and that, uh, Lord, that you would just touch them afresh, that they would come back refreshed and ref- and uh, uh, refired, refired. That's I just made that up. Amen. On fire, even more than they already are. All right. So um, this morning, uh, how many of you guys appreciate the worship team there? Uh, I just so love worship and I love, um, you know, taking time in worship. And if you're uh, around Zion, if you've been around Zion for. Uh, any number of years. Um, I know some of you in the room may not know me, but uh, I've actually been uh, a part of Zion since 2010. So uh, next year will be 10 years uh, I've been a part of this church, and uh, in 2015 went down to lead the Pickerington campus. And so I'm um, just really excited with what God's doing and the momentum, And uh, but we love to take our time in worship. Amen. We love the presence of God. The presence of God is why we're here. It's not because of a message. It's not because, uh, you know, any other thing. It's, you know, I always tell people that five seconds in God's presence can do more than fi- a five-hour sermon. And so we won't compromise on that. And, and uh, so I appreciate the worship teams and our worship leaders who take their time. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really meaningful and impactful. Um, so one of the verses that I had got during worship... And uh, I'm just going to release this, and, uh, and then I'm probably going to get into my message here. Um, it's Luke 24, verse 32. And uh, this is a familiar passage, but it said, They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road while he opened up scripture? I felt this morning that the Lord was burning hearts. I, I, I did, and, and so I just want to uh, almost speak prophetically uh, just over you all here and, and what I just felt like. I felt like that there is an avalanche of blessing that's already here. There's an avalanche of blessing that's already here, and what I felt like is that uh, any time that blessing and advancement and progression come, how many of you know friction comes? How many of you know opposition comes? You know, some, uh, um, some church lingo would be new levels, new devils. Boo. Everybody say boo. Yeah, that's right. But the, the, the reality of that is, is the higher you go, the more friction there is. Amen? That's a, that's a reality. That's something that's real. And uh, what I felt like is uh, the Lord was releasing burning hearts to move through opposition that actually the friction that you may experience in situations and circumstances uh, is only going to cause your heart to, to burn within you. You ever rubbed your hands together really fast? I used to have an uncle that, uh, that would uh, hold me down. He can't hold me down anymore, but he used to be able to hold me down and give me the Indian burns. Anybody ever did that? Just, just me from the redneck family? But there's a friction, there's heat that comes, and, and I feel like the friction that you're going through in this season and that you may be about to step into uh, will not affect uh, your, uh, your passion, but it will actually, God will use it to create a, a, a more of a burning heart in you, amen? All right, so I want to talk to you this morning about, um, out of the book of Joshua, uh, Joshua chapter five, we're going to go Old Testament on you. Joshua chapter 5, I'm going to start in verse 13. I'm going to talk about God in the battle. No one's excited about that. All right. It's all right. I brought my own encouragement, so that's a joke. Joshua 5 verse 13. It says, when Joshua was in Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked and beheld a man was standing before him with this drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him, and he said, Are you for us, or are you against us? And he said, No. Some translations say neither. I am neither for you or against you. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord, and I have come. And Joshua fell to his face in the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I want to start right here and and just focus on these two passages of scripture, and uh, I want to talk you know first a little bit about leadership, uh, but but I feel like the Lord is wanting to encourage those who are in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a battle. If you're facing something, if uh, you know the reality is in the room, there's either people who are coming out of a fight, you're in the middle of a fight, or you're about to go into a fight. Amen. And, and so the, the, the tension uh, is how do you thrive in the middle of opposition, in the middle of a battle? And so uh, Joshua was a great picture of this. And, uh, you know, so we're going to focus on Joshua 5 and these two verses. Um, the first thing you have to realize is that when you have a battle that you're not in it by yourself. The Bible says that it will rain on the just and the unjust, that things will happen, things will come that you can't explain, that, that may not be favorable, uh, you know, it, it's just life. And you know, oftentimes what happens is we only talk about the promises of God, but we never talk about the process. So when you go through friction and the promises aren't realized and it's taking two, three, five, 20 years, then in what it, it seems like what we're telling you isn't true. So we have to be able to preach both sides of the story that there is a process, there is an opposition to you coming into your destiny. If there wasn't an opposition, then we would all be in our destiny from birth. It's a process of development, of growing, of stepping into your mantle and into your gifting and into the anointing that the Lord has for you. Un, uh, discovering the significance and the gifts and the talent and everything that God's put inside of you, it's, it's, it's a process. And so we have to be able to talk about both sides of this story, both sides of this coin, is that there is promises of God. There is uh, all of these amazing things. Joshua, t- uh, excuse me, Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, and they are good. They're good plans. He's got good things in store for us but what happens when we only hear about the good things and then we never understand that there's a fight to get to those things. And so that's what I want to help with this morning. What you have to realize is that you're not in it by yourself. Wherever you are, God is. And wherever God is, you are. David said it this way in the Psalms. He said, God, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. Wherever, wherever you are, you have to realize, you have to understand that God said this, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. It means that when you're on the mountaintop seasons of your life and there's a blessing and increase and, and you're getting prophetic words and you're getting called out by Sean Bowles and all these things are happening in your life and you're, you could not be happier, it doesn't mean that, that you're any more spiritual. Or that God is, is in your life in those moments, and then where you're going through a trial and you're going through the valley seasons, that God is somehow absent from your life. What's absent is the awareness of, who, of where he is. And the reality, we have to go back to scripture, and what it says is he will never leave us or forsake us. And so he's with us in the middle. And so here we have in the story of Joshua. And uh, I apologize because we jumped right in the middle of the story. And for those who may not know the story of Joshua and you may not know the story of Moses, I'll, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Uh, Moses led the people of Israel in the wilderness and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They, they, the Lord delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh and, and they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And Joshua assumes the leadership Of a nation that's been wandering for forty years, he assumes leadership of a nation that has become complacent. They become complacent with where they're at, what they're doing, and yeah, there might be a little bit of grumbling and a little bit of complaining, but they still go around the same mountain over and over and over. And so here we have the Battle of Jericho, and Joshua is facing his first challenge as a as a leader, his first real challenge as a leader. You know, many uh, people who, um, whether you have a, a leadership title or not, you have to understand that you are a leader. You are a leader. What is leadership at its core is influence. If you have influence, then you are, uh, by nature, by, ca- by characteristic, you are a leader. And you can influence people. You can influence people for good, or you can in- influence, influence people for bad. And so, as a leader... This is our challenge, this is our charge, is to hear from the Lord and then act. And so here we have Joshua. He's got a nation of people, his first challenge. And everyone, the eyes of a nation are looking at him, who just has succeeded Moses in the leadership of Israel. We know a little bit about Joshua, not much. We know in the book of Exodus chapter 33, we know that Moses would go into the tent of meeting and he would meet with God face to face as a man meets uh, a man speaks with his friend. And, uh, you know, there would just be a little line there that would say, and Moses left the tent and Joshua would stay in the presence of God. And so we know that, uh, that Joshua was a man who valued the presence of God, that he was a man who appreciated God, and he saw God move. And if you uh, have read the story of Exodus, you would know that Israel saw the miracles of God. They saw the, the provision of God. They saw God deliver them out of the hand of Pharaoh. God part the sea. He saw all of these things. And so here is is is. Uh, Joshua assuming leadership of a, of a nation that has a heritage of miracles, but in the recent years have not seen the practice of it. And so many of you know that if you haven't seen these things in a while, you can become uh, complacent or you can forget what God did. And if you forget what God did, it gives a misconception of what God can do. That's why Psalm 78, it talks about uh, declaring the works of the Lord to the generations. Tell your kids, and have your kids tell their kids, because it's important that they know that God split the Red Sea, that God brought water out of a rock, that God had provision that would fall out of nowhere called manna. And it's important to, to, to realize this, because what those miracles do is give an appetite for the future and how we move forward. So realizing you are a leader, and as a leader, you are continually facing new things. Every leader continually faces new challenges. In fact, if you're the leader of a company, if you're a CEO, if you're the leader of an organization, most of the time, part of your job description is to manage problems. Most of the time, part of your job description is to manage problems, and so when you, when you step into that role and you think that it's going to be glamorous, and all of a the sudden they slap a bunch of problems on your desk that you are charged to solve, that's part of leadership. You're continually facing new things, and, and here's, the, here's the reality of leadership is, is and, and what Joshua had to learn really quickly, that if you're not leading, you're repeating, If you're not leading, you're repeating. And so here we have Moses who had the the title and the position of leadership, but he was not practicing it because all they did was repeat for 40 years. Repeat for 40 years. And when you repeat, you don't go anywhere. You go around and around and around and around. And so leadership is something new. There, there is a reality of it that's progressive, there's new issues, there's new battles, and there is a reality of being still and knowing that he's God, but it doesn't give us a, a, a mandate to once a problem comes that we turn over all responsibility entirely to God and we have nothing to do with it evermore. And the challenge with some of these things is that when we face problems, we uh, say the Christian thing of be still and know that he's God. And there's a reality of that. There's a reality of being still, but being still doesn't mean inactivity. It doesn't mean passivity. The Bible says in Isaiah, it says, uh, Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like inactivity. It sounds like as I'm waiting on God, as I'm leaning on him in every situation, in every problem, as I'm moving through life, he takes me higher. He takes me further. He takes me faster because of my strength is powered with his strength. It's a true co-laboring. And so this is so important for leadership. And when we just say that be still and know that that he's God and it gives a a welcome message to procrastinators to say, do nothing. It's a welcome message to procrastinators. And I'm preaching to myself because, uh, you know, for years I, I was a procrastinator. In high school, I was a procrastinator. Oh, we got a paper due in five weeks. I'll do it in four and a half. I'll start it in four and a half weeks. Procrastination. But the procrastination, uh, if you procrastinate, you're never fully able to see the potential in the the thing that God gives you. You're never fully able to see it because you're just trying to get through it rather than getting uh, an excellence factor to it. And so waiting on God is not a welcome message to procrastinators. And so here's the challenge as, as pastors, as people who, who speak regularly in front of people, as uh, you know, um, people who are charged, as it says in the word of God, to feed God's people. Uh, on one hand, we have passive people who need motivation. And I'm not going to have you raise your hand. That's a joke. Man, you guys need to lighten up. Just just shake a little bit. Just shake it off. There we go. Just lighten up. So on one hand, we have uh, passive people who need motivated. People who need motivated. And so, uh, you know, there, there's an encouragement. There's a, a push into action. And on the other hand, we have the aggressive person uh, over here who goes into overdrive when you start sharing things about action and about uh, taking things by force. One person needs stimulated. The other person needs channeled. I believe that Joshua is is someone who uh, doesn't necessarily need uh, motivation to act. And we see that in this passage. He's aggressive. And oftentimes the very thing that makes him a great leader almost kills him. The aggressiveness, the tenacity, the the, the, uh, the fight in him. It's what makes him a great leader, but it's also, if it's not channeled right, it can kill him. The greatest strength in the wrong place be, can become your greatest weakness. The greatest strength in the wrong place be, can become your greatest weakness. And so Joshua had no issues taking on people, taking on enemies, taking on territory. Perhaps this is why he was chosen as a successor. He became Moses, uh, Moses became um, a, a lackadaisical leader in the, in towards the end and had a tendency to lead in circles. Forty years in the desert, Moses would make a mistake and you can't lead people into greatness with small mindedness. One of the downfalls that Moses had is, is the first time God uh, had a miracle of water coming from a rock. Um, you know, God told Moses to, to slap the rock. Slap the rock. And when Moses smacked the rock with his staff, water came forward. And the next time, Moses got so angry at the people and God told him to speak to the rock. And out of his anger, he smacked the rock again. Now, the interesting fact to note is that God still gave a miracle of water. But because of that decision, because Moses represented God out of anger, he was not permitted to enter into the promised land. So 40 years in the desert, he had a small-mindedness. He allowed his emotions to control him, and he misrepresented God. The amazing thing about God is God mentors leaders. God mentors people. He'll tell you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, if you ask Him. He trained you, and oftentimes, He trains you with problems. I love what Graham Cook says. Graham Cook says, every opportunity is wrapped in the package of a problem. So, we have people who are looking for opportunities all over the place, and every time they run into a problem, that's not God. Not realizing that that very problem, that challenge, that friction is what forges you into who you are created to be. And if you would step into it, if you would realize that that's where God is. God's in the fire. We want God to deliver us from the fire. He's in the fire. And so sometimes God trains us with trouble. Joshua has this war thing down. We know from history, we know from Old Testament history that Joshua has this war thing down. He could fight. He could fight sometimes at the drop of the hat. Many of us probably know people like this. Anybody know someone like this? Don't say the person next to you. But we all all have that one family member. We all have that one friend in our life that it's at the drop of a hat. For me, I have a particular uh, person in my life that uh, is this way, demonstrates these characteristics. And, uh, you know, the, the thing is with this person is they can be your best friend or your worst enemy. Because the, the you know I, I've seen it both where uh, if they feel as an injustice has been done against me, at the drop of a hat they're they're full throttle going after they don't even know who. We all know people like this, and I believe that Joshua was like this at the drop of a hat, and here's the thing that that uh, i've I've just learned. Um, over the years, and and being a father has really helped us, um, is uh, many of us have this, and we don't want to kill it, we want to learn to steward it. We don't want to kill it, we want to learn to steward it. I have, you know, uh, four children, one of my sons is is, uh, a little bit more abrasive than the rest of them. And uh, my wife and I joke that he's, uh, he's taken on a little bit more of my personality. And, and so he can be abrasive. He can be, um, he's highly competitive. Uh, you either, you're either first or you're last. You know, this is just his mentality. And so, um, you know, the, the challenge to parent this is to not kill the passion, not kill the tenacity, not kill the drive, but to channel it. Channel it towards purpose. Channel it towards power, you know, towards uh, something to accomplish, something to, to go after. And, and we found some really creative ways to be able to do that. And uh, he's, he's well on his way. He's just a few months from becoming a second-degree black belt in Taekwondo. So he is learning to channel quite well, actually. But, but we don't want to kill this. We want to be able to channel it towards strategy. And it's interesting that when you think about God, and you think about the power of God, and if, if, if there was the power of God, but there was no strategy of God, then power would be destructive. Power without strategy is dangerous, Imagine the electricity that's pumping into this building. And if there was not a strategy, a grid, uh, conduit and wires and things that would run to each individual light socket and each individual outlet and each individual instrument and plug, and there's a purpose, there's a strategy, there's a plan. And so all of that power that's being pumped into this building in the natural is being channeled for purpose. And so we have lights and we have instruments and we have microphones and we have all these things. It's the same way with God and in our lives. And when God releases power in our lives, there's a strategy. God is a strategic God. He's a strategic God. He's a God of systems. He's a God of order. He's a God of power. Because all of that stuff is channeled for purpose. And so when we see this, we have to learn to channel so Joshua is facing the battle of his life. He's already prone to fight, and here in verse 13, he says, I see a man. I see a man. And I want to stop right there in just this reality of I see a man. And here, here's, the, here's what can happen is we can become so familiar and so practical and so uh, ready for action that we don't recognize God. This is what Joshua did. He said, I see a man. And he became so practical that he didn't recognize God. And so I want to ask you have you been able to recognize God in your situations? What are some things that you do to increase your awareness? Do we only see God at church? Or when we're talking with our Christian friends? Or can we begin to see God in everything? Realizing that God can use anyone to speak to us. I love, uh, you know, there's a story in the Old Testament, and forgive me, for I don't have the reference uh, written down, but uh, King David, he was riding with his right-hand man in their chariot, and they were riding down the road, and there was this guy on the side of the road, and, and uh, the guy is yelling obscenities at King David. And it was so bad that the guy who is driving King David's chariot, who uh, was, was uh, protecting him and, and his covering and his armor bearer, so to speak, he stops the chariot, he draws his sword, he runs over to this guy, and he's going to cut him dead on the side of the road for just speaking ill of the king. And David runs over and says, hold on. He might have the word of the Lord for me. Does that not baffle you? That God can use anyone, anything, anywhere, anytime. So when we have situations, we have, we cannot become so practical that we forget to recognize God in the situation. That there is a spiritual dynamic to winning. There's a spiritual dynamic to winning, and I'm not saying that we should do nothing but pray. It actually drives me crazy when, when uh, people offer, can't offer solutions but to just pray. And I realize that there are situations where all you can do is pray. But th- if it's a situation where you can pray, and, you know, for example, if a, a financial provision, you know, the, you, you pray for financial provision, but you also go get a job. Amen. Right? A- amen. If you don't work, you don't eat. That's Proverbs. You can pray for provision, but you still got to get a job. That's another message. So faith without works is dead, right? We have to be engaged. But works alone doesn't get it because works alone means we have everything in it but God. Works alone, everything in it but God. And so we have to balance our responsibility with God's responsibility. We have to recognize God, and, we ha- and God here's what God does, is distributes responsibilities. Oftentimes, when, when God interacts with me, He'll give me uh, mandates or assignments or things that I'm charged with doing, and it says, "I'll take care of this. Here's what you need to do." And so there's a reality of this co-laboring, that we are working with God. You know, being able to recognize God is really important. The disciples, they messed up in this. Because you see in the New Testament that whenever Jesus showed up in another form, they didn't recognize him. Whenever Jesus showed up in a different form, they didn't recognize him. He came walking out on the water, and they thought it was a ghost. They didn't recognize that it was Jesus, the very person who could save them. And so, oftentimes, when you step into new things, it means new forms. It means that God's gonna deal with you differently. It means that you're going to see God in different ways and different different shapes and, and things like that. It's not always going to look how you think, it's not always gonna look how you think. And we cannot become so inundated with routine and tradition and that God has always dealt with me like this and he's always spoke to me in this way and in a dream this has always meant this. We have to constantly check back in with the Lord because in a new season he does a new thing. Amen? Religious people get stuck in a wandering season because they're looking for the same form. Religious people get stuck in the same season because they're looking for God in a new place, but in the same way. And God will do a new thing in a new place. And so we have to get deep. We have to go deep. We have to search. We have to uh, really inquire of the Lord. And the reality of this this message and the, the reality of what this means is that we have to stay connected with him. You have to stay connected moment by moment. Situation by situation, understanding that it's easy to hear from God, just expect him to speak. Expect that he has an opinion about your marriage. Expect that he has an opinion of how you raise your children and the decisions that you have to make in your job. And how you lead your employees. Expect that he has an opinion on how to do these things. We have to be open to new experience. Understanding God could use anyone in anything. And whenever God does something, whenever God does something fresh, here's what the religious mindset does, is it goes back to something familiar. We go back to something familiar, something that we can explain, something that we is safe. And Moses, we have a Moses mentality. A Moses mentality is, uh, we'll just keep going around the mountain because it's safe. How many of you know that God didn't call you to be safe? He called you to be dangerous. He called you to be dangerous. We uh, we partner with um, outreach ministries. It's a men's rehabilitation. Uh, drug and alcohol rehabilitation, and and um, I get the privilege of doing Bible studies with these guys all the time, and and uh, they they attend our church, and so we see them baptized, we see them saved, healed, delivered, and uh, when they go through the program, we have decided to publicly recognize them on a Sunday just to acknowledge the the. Uh, the transformation that God has done and hear you know the testimony it's it's just amazing to see a guy come in strung out on on heroin and and nine months later he's praising God and and praying for the sick and seeing people healed and and it's just amazing and so one of the things is uh, one of our revival communities um, has has uh, chosen to really bless these guys and and make uh, these guys their mission and so um, uh, every month we have graduations where these guys, there's guys that have graduated the nine-month phase uh, of this rehabilitation. And uh, so we bring them up on stage, and they give them this, this sword. And, and they, gave, they gave me one just because they're really nice, and I wanted one. And I didn't ask for one, but I said, God, if it's your will, I'll take one. <laughs> but no, they, they gave me one, and, and uh, so it's a, it's a Scottish Claymore sword. And it's like the, the if you ever seen um, Braveheart and William Wallace, it's, it's like that. It's a two-hander. You, you need two hands. It's, it's about four feet tall. And um, they, they inscribe on the, the date of their graduation their name. And on the other side of the blade, they inscribe dangerous for good. You're meant to be dangerous. You're not meant to be safe. You know, it's a, you know, we uh, quote Aslan in the, the Lion King, or not the Lion King. That's a different lion. <laughs> we 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 quote the Chronicles of Narnia and and, and uh you know where Aslan is a type in a picture of Jesus and, and says, uh, it, you know, is he safe? Oh heavens no, he's not safe, but he's good. That's you. That you know, as Pastor Jim likes to say, that we're a terrorist training camp to destroy the works of the devil. You're not meant to be safe. And and safe people shrink back to familiar. And anytime you're not feeling that stretch, that push, that encouragement. That's why I love running with people who challenge me. Running with people who challenge me. Because if you run with people who challenge you, if you run with people who every time you get together and you you have a conversation, that uh, when you walk away you're saying, did not our hearts burn within us when we shared the good news of what Jesus is doing? And so run with people who challenge you. Don't settle for safe. Don't be afraid of God in new forms. So Joshua would fight. He would go after this. And this is what I love. You know, I just get this picture. Joshua ran up on God. Like straight, drawed his sword and ran up on God. You guys realize that, right? Right? He ran up on God. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with, his, with his, his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and said, Are you for us or are you against us? He ran up on him. And he said, Neither. I love this because it challenges us. Because sometimes, here's what happens, is, is we run up on God with our own agenda. We run up on God with our own agenda. God, are you going to bless this or not? And He says, Neither. I'm God, you're not. So we have to find God's agenda. And we have to be able to turn a situation into a sanctuary. Because God will give us a strategy, He'll give you a strategy. And so this is what Joshua did. He ran up on God. Are you for us or against us? God says, neither. He says neither. And so sometimes when we approach God, we come with preconceived notions. We come with predetermined ideas, predetermined ideology, predetermined um, uh, things of uh, you know, we, we come to God with a lens. We come to God sometimes with a lens of, you know, we're praying about a situation and, and in this particular situation, we, uh, you know, we would kind of want it to go this way. And so when we come to God and everything we hear is through that lens, and although what it really means is we're coming to God with our own agenda. And we have to be able to differentiate that. But I, I believe what, what the Lord is challenging us to realize and to understand is that when we approach God and we find out His agenda in every situation He'll give you a plan He'll give you a strategy He's with you in the battle and so Joshua after he finds out that this is the commander of the army of the Lord which is the Lord Himself I have come and Joshua fell on his face and worshiped and said to him, what do you want to say to me? What's your strategy? What do I need to do? And so the challenge for us is that, again, everyone in here, you're, you've either faced a battle, you're in the middle of a battle, or you, you will have a battle in the future. And the challenge is to not become so familiar with how you've handled things in the past, but to be able to see God in a new way, in a new territory. To be able to recognize him. So first we raise our level of awareness that now everything we do and everything where we have a mind that's set on him. That anything he wants to do, you know, I, I love, you know, Bill Johnson, uh, you know, Bethel Church, we jokingly call it the mothership. Um and I love what he, he says, you know, there were, has been some phenomenon and, and many of you have seen it here at Zion and other places of, of gold dust and glory clouds and feathers falling from heaven and, and someone asked him to kind of explain and, and uh, he, he said, well, all I can say is I have set my heart on whatever God wants to do. I have set my heart on whatever God wants to do and I believe that's one of the keys to overcoming every situation, every circumstance, every battle is to set your heart on whatever God's doing. Recognize him and as we come to him, we put down our strategies and we pick up his. And if we can follow this pattern of how Joshua overcome, he fought and he overcome, he inquired of the Lord. He has a pretty good track record if you read his history. Of, of winning battles. If we follow this pattern, you'll come out like the overcomer you were meant to be. Why don't you guys stand? How many of you in this room would say that I've been going through something? Just look around. Just keep your hands up. Just look around. There's a lot of hands in the room of people who have said, right now, I'm going through something. And I I feel like just, I I came this morning to encourage people who are going through something, but I didn't want to leave everybody else out either. Because I realized that not everyone is going through something all the time. That would be Terrible. But there's a, there's a reality of, you know, encouraging yourself in the Lord as David did in 2 Samuel. There's also a reality of being able to be encouraged by one another. And so what I want to do is, it, uh, again, I'm just going to, one more time, I going to ask you to raise your hand and keep your hand up. If you feel like you're going through something. And then those of you who are around them, if you would, just get around them and we're just going to pray. We're going to believe God so keep your hand up until someone puts their hand on you to pray with you. Once, once you have someone to pray with you, you can put your hand down. All right, I see, I see a hand back here. Okay. There's some more hands back here. If we could get a, some Zioners to head back here. Some hands right here. Any other hand? Yeah, there's still three hands back here, so we we could get a couple people to head back here. There's two more hands right here. I want everybody to have someone to pray with. I still see one more hand. All right, there we go. Do you need somebody? Uh, We need somebody right here. Jordan. I'm going to start volunteering people. Still one more hand back here. So I just don't want to leave anybody out, okay? Everybody going through something is precious, and the Lord has something for you this morning. So I want you, uh, just right now, The Lord knows the situation. We don't need to hear the explanation of the struggle, the trials, the things that you're going through. God knows what you're going through. And so uh, if you're putting your hand on a person who needs prayer, I want you just to begin to pray. And the Lord may uh, reveal something to you, may highlight, give you a prophetic word for that person, but we will just want to pray. And uh, I want you to pray for two things specifically. Number one, that they would recognize God in the middle of their storm the the level of awareness would be raised and number 2 i want you to pray for the tenacity to not give up so want you just take a couple minutes right now and just pray for those people thank you jesus thank you jesus Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Dear God, we just release just that greater level of awareness. Lord, that, you know, just as we sang this morning, uh, we see your face in every sunrise, God, that you would increase our awareness so that in every situation, every circumstance, no matter where we're at or what we're doing, we can see you in the small and the mundane, but also the grand. We can see you in everything, God. So I pray that the level of awareness, Lord, would be increased, that, that our, our senses would be heightened to what you're doing in our lives, Lord, that we can truly look and see and taste and see that God is good. So we just declare that over every person here that your awareness of God is increasing, that you're discovering more and more of God every day. Every day you wake up, it's a new day. It's a new reality. It's a new way to uh, see something new about God. We thank you, Jesus, that our awareness is increasing. And Lord, I pray for the tenacity for those who are in the fight who are in a battle, who are in a tough situation, Lord, that you would strengthen them, that they would gird up their loins, so to speak, as the scriptures say, and they would be able to run and fight and not grow weary, that you would mount them up on wings like eagles, that they would run and not grow weary, that they would walk and not faint. Lord, we pray for a tenacity, a a fervency, to move forward in the plans and the purposes of who you are and what you're doing in their lives and in their circumstance. So God, we bless every single person those who who have not uh who are not currently in a fight lord we thank you for the blessing and increase on their lives and we just release that over every person in the room blessing and increase blessing and increase i i release hope over every person hope i just thank you god that the best is yet to come The best is yet to come. Come on, declare that over each other. The best is yet to come. That no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those he loves. And so, God, thank you for hope. Thank you for hope. Thank you for touching our lives. And we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Hallelujah. All right. All right. Uh, One more thing. I was supposed to uh, announce something that I forgot to announce. So uh, we are having a fall festival at Zion Pickerington. Amen. So uh, fall festival, you know, we we had anywhere from uh, six to seven hundred people come last year. Um, And I loved the fact that when I looked around, I didn't know anybody. And, uh, and so we had bounce houses, we had uh, a bunch of food trucks and games and all kinds of stuff for the kids, and so uh, we need volunteers to help us with this, and so if you're up here and you like that sort of thing, uh, we would encourage you to uh, to sign up to help us out. We need uh, over 50 volunteers to make this event happen. We really see it as a community outreach and in the in the area of Pickerington, and uh, we've had great favor with the city, and uh, in previous years, the mayors attended our fall festival, and so so uh, it's really amazing. And so I've challenged some of our people at Pickerington to, to say, if, if Jesus was volunteering at a bounce house, what would it look like? And so if you sign up and you sign up for a bounce house to help some kids getting out of bounce house, I I bet every parent that came over who was sick and depressed and and broke would get healed and saved and delivered and set free and walk away from that bounce house filled with hope. And so we really see it as a ministry opportunity. So you can sign up to volunteer for a slot at zionpickerington.com, and uh, there's all that information right there. So um, that's it for the announcement um, if we could have our ministry teams come forward. Ministry teams will be up here, the ones with the tags on. If you're here and you need prayer for healing, uh, if you need a professional